Welcome, we're your hosts Alicia and Whitney on Coming Coming Up Up Higher, where we're creating space through conversations, special guests, and inspiration for you to come up higher in the things of Christ in everyday life. Hey, Come Up Crew, we're excited to have a special guest on the episode today, Pastor Rowdy Van Horn. He's the pastor of One Church Scottsdale, um, married to the beautiful Ashley Van Horn, and they just have a great ministry there together. Um, He traveled abroad uh, across the United States and into Europe and and other places with his music ministry, itinerant ministry, for over 10 years. And now he's based in Scottsdale, Arizona at One Church Scottsdale, and they're just doing great things out there. And this conversation today, um, it's uplifting, it's it's encouraging as he shares his testimony um, of coming from a family that, you know, had had issues, had things that they needed to overcome, and how he took that to raise his own family, and also raising raising kids in the church to be equipped and empowered to walk in their gifting and their callings and to know that they have purpose in Christ. And it's just really, it's exciting. And, um, it's a lot of great tips in there for your own calling and your own walk, as well as if you're raising kids or encouraging the next generation. And so join us as we have this great conversation with Rowdy Van Horn. So you may have heard us mention the FAM Club in past episodes or on social media. We'd like to let you know more about what it is and how you can be a part. The FAM Club is a monthly subscription partnership that gives you access to our exclusive content, a monthly newsletter, discounted merch, and being the first to know about new music and what's happening with our ministry. Our monthly FAM Club support is what makes this podcast and other aspects of our ministry possible. You can join today by logging on to AliciaAndWhitney.com and by clicking the fam club tab. Well, welcome everybody to coming up higher. This is Alicia. I'm joined by Whitney and we are looking forward to this conversation today. We're going to hear a powerful testimony by pastor Rowdy Van Horn. He's a pastor at one church Scottsdale, and we've had the pleasure of getting to know him through our brother Mm -hmm. and sister-in-law who attend church out there and love it and just love, um, their hearts and what the, the church is doing and just the, the love of God that, uh, just is all over them. So, Mm -hmm. and I, I heard about his testimony and just love his positive outlook on life and how he encourages and challenges through scripture. And so we definitely wanted to have him on. So all the coming up higher crew can, can be encouraged also. So welcome to the show, pastor Rowdy. Welcome. Hello there, Alicia and Whitney. I'm so happy to be on all the coming up crew. Amen. Yeah. And uh, really blessed to be on here and been so deeply blessed by your family, by the both of you, by your ministry, by your singing, by your songwriting, by your ridiculous songwriting gift God has given you. I mean, it's just incredible. It's literally the word of God and uh, the anointing that's on the two of you is very, very unique and very special, very, very rare. And so really thankful. I'm honored, honored to be on here with you today. Thank you. And you're, you're a, you're not just a pastor, but you're a worship leader and a singer as well, a musician. And so we love that. It's like you, you lead worship and then you hop on and, (laughs) and preach a sermon. That's awesome. So yeah, you do both well. (laughs) So it's, it's all, it is all God. I started out, uh, at five years old, taking piano lessons. 
And I was just going to be a piano player. My dad was a singer and he was a really profound singer and he was the most encouraging father, but I just never, it never really came out of me because my dad was a singer and believe it or not, my parents got divorced at 16 and, and he was suddenly gone from the house. And I, so I was suddenly singing and then suddenly I became the singer who, uh, or the piano player who sang. And then, uh, and then, and then when I, uh, I, so then I started singing all the time and then people, some people didn't know I played piano. And then when I launched in the, in the ministry, I was going to launch just as a singer. And the first guy who uh, came out, I sang at a conference, a pastor came out to schedule me to come to his church in Santa Monica. And uh, he said, well, you'll, you'll sing Sunday night. I said, yeah, great. And he said, well, you're going to be there Sunday morning. Well, since you're there, will you go ahead and preach? Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure. Yes. <laughs> I didn't want to lose the booking. Right. Right. And uh, my first, my first booking, you know, yep. and so I went and uh, uh, it was, I'm sure a total disaster. I, I think I told a few jokes in a bi- couple of Bible stories and then pastors kept asking for that. So then I became the, the, the speaker who, or the piano player who sang and who spoke and, and, wow. uh, and now I, and then I said, I'd never pastor. And now I'm the pastor. So I'm the wow. piano, pl- really just a piano player. Oh, <laughs> That's just oh, like yeah. a prime example that the gifting makes room for itself. Yes. <laughs> yes. If I, I say this, the, your, your, your gift to make room for you, if you'll make room for your gift. That's good. And, uh, yeah. Spend your time on, spend your time on that. Even if you feel it doesn't matter, if you feel you have no opportunities, you feel that there's no doors open for you work on that gift and you working on that gift the, the, the gift is working it'll open the doors absolutely so good i love yeah. that that's really good and i love just even we haven't even like dove into your testimony or anything yet but just when you give a yes to god like that's what happens is all of a sudden you're doing things you didn't think you were qualified to do or you know i'm yeah. only a piano player but then god's like oh but i'm gonna have you go up and preach and i'm gonna yeah. have you sing and yeah all these things and that's how it's been for us it's like we we're first off like singers, you know, that's what we've always done. But then it was like, Oh, well, let's pick up an instrument and help with our songwriting. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we're like podcasting and writing books. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> so that's no, why it's no. like, I often talk about how, you know, we all have a, a purpose that God's given us, but our callings are like the different ways that we can live out our purpose. Yes. So it's like your, you know, your purpose is, is still to lead people in worship and to speak the word and proclaim truth. But you've had many different callings <laughs> throughout your yeah. life that have helped yeah. execute that. And, and I love that. So why don't we, cause you didn't start at the place where you're at now, right? <laughs> yes. No, not at all. You didn't start pastoring this amazing church and doing great things in your community and your beautiful family that's serving the Lord and just have precious hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's obviously there was a Genesis, there was a beginning. And so we just want you to share your testimony and, and how God brought you to this place where you're at today. Sure. Whitney. Absolutely. So, so, uh, I'll tell you, I believe that God designs all of our lives. He places us in specific situations, times, uh, locations on purpose. Uh, Sometimes we feel it's to our detriment or that we've been somehow cursed. But I believe that if we, I believe that all of our lives, if we really embrace God and that he created us and that he has a plan and a purpose for us, if we embrace that, we will see that he has designed all of our lives uh, for our calling, for our purposes, for our gifts. He's designed everything for us to be, ultimately, all of us to be in ministry in some way. I mean, you might not, uh, you might not uh, be the, you know, be the janitor, collect your paycheck from the church, but we're, we, we as Christians, we're all uh, in ministry. 
we're all fishers of men. So uh, long story short, it's a long story. It's a long story because I'm old. That's that's why it's a long story already. So uh, I, I uh, my my sisters who were uh, eight and nine years older than me, I was two years old. My sisters came home from a, uh, my mom wanted them to go to a camp. And the only one available was a little Baptist church in, in Madison, Wisconsin, had a camp, summer camp. And they came home and got off the bus. And she tells the story because I was only two. Uh, she tells a story that they were just bawling and hugged her and saying, Mom, we found Jesus. We found Jesus. We found Jesus. And, you know, every generation kind of has their, I think, their moniker, you know, like, what would Jesus do? In the 70s, it was, I found it. So everybody had bumper stickers that said, I found it. Mm-hmm. And uh, my sister, uh, who, had, who had grown up, it let the I found it went all the way through the 70s, just like, you know, WWJD. And so when my sister had grown up, she actually bought this green square ugliest car you've ever seen and she had a bumper sticker on it and said i found it and my, mm-hmm. my grandfather saw it and he said where'd you find it you know this <laughs> ugly car was his joke and but it was <laughs> Jesus. so my sister said you have to come to church with us sunday because uh we're getting baptized and uh and we, we found jesus we found jesus so my mom took me and at the end of the service she went forward and she gave her life to jesus and uh, the pastor then was a uh, really tall, skinny pastor from Texas. His name was Julius Stagner. Mm-hmm. So my mom gave her life to Christ. And from then on, uh, I was at church every time the doors were open. So I have no recollection of my start, but my, uh, my, I have two early childhood memories, one with, one with my dad at the lake and the other one, I, my first recollection is being in Sunday school. And that formed my entire life is that I, I, I can't encourage parents enough that it truly matters uh, taking your kids to church yeah, uh, because you, you learn what a, what a faith atmosphere is like. You, mm-hmm. you gain that wisdom. Your children gain that feeling in being in a church, being in a faith atmosphere helps them recognize when they are not in one and that yeah. blesses their lives. Wow. So I, uh, I tell everybody everything I learned about Jesus. I learned, uh, you know, in, in, on a felt board in the basement of a Baptist church in Madison, Wisconsin. And, and I tell them everything else is kind of icing on the cake. Everything you really need to know about Jesus is the foundational stuff. Everything else is wonderful to add the theology, all that. But, but the love of Jesus and the, and the kindness of Jesus and the caring and the patience and the sacrifice and the, and the friendship uh, is, is uh, man, as a child, that, that formed my whole life. Yeah. God was designed my life for ministry. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love yeah. that. I, when, when you, you kind of touch on something is like when you raise the child in that environment, they know when it's not a God environment, yeah, <laughs> they good. know the values that aren't in alignment and the train up a child in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it. Even though uh, our spiritual mom, Debbie says, people will take field trips <laughs> in <laughs> life, but it, deep down, they know the values and, and the core, the core beliefs of, of what it is to know Jesus and, and yes. live, live in that way. But you had mentioned earlier that at 16, your parents got divorced. And so how did that affect your family? How did that affect your faith? Um, because you mentioned that it, it changed the dynamics of your relationship yeah. with your father as well. Sure. So, uh, so at 16, my parents got divorced, and but I had, I had a very tuned in faith with God. So I uh, I believed 
maybe as as uh, everybody does, it's, it's, I thought, well, this is going to temporary, and this is going to, you know, Dan will come home, and this will all turn around. And uh, and, and we were at this at this point living in Arizona, and uh, and but it didn't it didn't turn around. And in fact, my dad was married probably within the year, you know, and uh, so so the dynamic changed, and that I didn't see him as much. But I will tell you this that that. Uh, as many challenges as my as my dad had uh, in his own personal life, he was the greatest father who told me he loved me 24 hours a day. Wow. He made me feel tremendously secure. Now my dad was a you know a closet alcoholic, I'll say, you know, and uh, I, I I didn't know that he was. And I had my dad was an alcoholic, and my eight uncles were alcoholics. So the whole generation of men before me were all alcoholics mm. and my father had raised me that alcohol was terrible. And here he's an alcoholic, you know, wow. alcohol is terrible. Oh, beer's the worst thing in the world. Don't ever touch it. It's disgusting. And Oh my word, it's terrible. So he, so he really, uh, in, 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 even in the home, he showed incredible love for my mom. And, uh, my joke is he was loving every other lady in town, but, but at yeah. home he was, he was really representing this, this really profound man of God. So, uh, so when he moved up, moved out, it really, uh, the challenge was him not being there, but God yet still used that. And so I started singing because he wasn't there mm -hmm. and not that he wouldn't have affirmed it, which he, which he, he did and he would have, but, but, uh, so God used even that. So I started singing just around the house. And so God used even that for his good. I would have, and I will tell you that if my parents hadn't gotten divorced, I would have never gone the direction of a singer. Never would have happened. Yeah. And sing in which the singing led to the to the preaching and the preaching led to the pastoring. So uh, I, I so I'm, I, I love to talk to young people that are that her, their parents are getting divorced or have gotten divorced. Tell them, you know, there is one answer. You grab onto God and you follow him and you follow his direction. You be there with him. If there's any if there's any moms and dads that are there and you're watching this, and you're like, what do I do with my kids? get them to church. Mm -hmm. Every time the doors are open, be there with them. Uh, you know, have, let the pastor speak into their life. Let the people love them. Let, let them yeah. see, you know, men of God. Uh, in fact, there, there's a study that was just, just uh, done, just released a couple months ago that they found, we hear all the time about the father in the house, that when the father is in the house, it makes a big impact. True. But they have found that just as, as powerful it, amazingly, the study found maybe even more powerful is that they are surrounded by a, a community of men that 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 young people will succeed just as powerfully if they if they have strong men of God living around them, families living around them, or 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 uh, in their community or in their church. So it really matters that your kids, uh, especially if you don't have a man in the house. It really, in, in women, it's not that you're lacking. It's not that you're not doing something. It's not that you're not powerful. It's not even that you're enough. It's that God built this structure into us that we need. We need that incredibleness from a woman. And we need that incredibleness, incredibleness from a man. And those two voices, those two strengths work together uh, really, really to build our kids up to be who they need to be. And that's why the devils really attack the men and women, you know. So true. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I love what you're sharing because we have you know, some similarities in our testimony of just even our parents got divorced. We come from mm -hmm. a Christian home and, and mm -hmm. our parents got divorced. I was about 10. She's about 12. 
brother's a little older than us. And so, you know, it's a difficult thing, especially like when you're in the church, because it's like, man, we're the ones that are supposed to have it together, you know, and you just think like, that's not going to happen to us. Like what I made, things may be difficult, but it's not going to get to that point, but sometimes it does. And that's what I love about like the redemptive nature of God is that Mm -hmm. he takes even those difficult things and those hard things and things that we wish had never happened. And he turns them for our good. And, you know, I like, we love and honor our parents and we're so grateful for them. And one thing I always think about when we talk about this is I never want to like throw this in their face, you know, about like, oh, yeah, divorce yeah. And like all this stuff. But I, I think it's important to share too, for people that are listening who have experienced divorce and have kids at home, like your kids can still love the Lord and turn out, yeah. le- you know, leading amazing lives, oh. with amazing callings. Like there's three of us <laughs> on this podcast yes. alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. And I know when we've shared that testimony, there have been parents that have come up to us and just say, thank you. Like you guys have given me just like a physical representation of that. My kids can turn out to serve the Lord and, and turn out doing yeah. well, despite maybe like mine and my spouse's mistakes or, you know, things we didn't do right. Yeah, and so yes. I just want to encourage people and, and to just for those who have experienced situations like that, you know, God, God can redeem them. And, and just like you said, you wouldn't have become a singer. Like you wouldn't have, um, no. become a pastor. Ultimately. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> literally you would be doing what you're doing now had this difficult yeah. thing not happen. And I think sometimes as Christians, we just think it's about it being easy and smooth sailing and all the blessings and the favor and stuff. And obviously like that God gives us those things, but also don't discount what God can do in the difficulties. Mm -hmm. Because I know when we were just on a a Facebook live last night, we were talking about this in our parents' divorce. We actually just transferred to a Christian school where we'd have chapels on Fridays. And that was the first time I was really introduced to like contemporary modern worship. It was like Hillsong and Carrie Job and all that. And that changed my life forever because I was in this place of just heartache and grief over this loss that our family was facing. But then every Friday I could go to chapel and I knew in that atmosphere, you're talking about when you're raised up in that God atmosphere, you know, and when you're in it and I would just go and and sit during, and that's where I really fell in love with worship and realized like, man, God meets me when, Mm. when I'm in this place, you know, when I'm singing these things to him, when I just come as I am open and vulnerable and raw, like God meets me here. And yes. that's really what established, I think in both of us, just that, that heart for worship and realizing that we can access God as our dwelling place just by going into worship. And sometimes yeah. it's those difficulties that usher us into that place. Oh my goodness. Yes. I, I, great points. I tell people all the time, you're going through something difficult, worship your way out of it, Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, or through it. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's going to be a long process. Maybe God has to teach you some things. Maybe it's not going to happen overnight. Maybe you need to be in that for a while. You know, like T.D. Jake says, sometimes God God loves you enough to wait, mm-hmm. you know, which is crazy. No, I need you right now, God. Yeah. No, no, I need, I need to grow you. So uh, I will tell you that, you know, being raised in church, Jesus was, my answer to everything was Jesus was and is my best friend. He's been my everything. I still, when I, when I, when I, get down on my knees and pray and close my eyes, I see Jesus the same as I saw him when I was five years old. There isn't, uh, now has our relationship grown and matured and et cetera, and my calling and my gifts have grown? Yes, but that 
but that one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus, when I kneel down, I picture me in my mind, I'm five years old with Jesus in that church, in that Baptist church. Yeah. And so for kids to really have Jesus as their best friend, uh, it, it, it really, I tell everybody, give, give your kids the gift of Jesus mm -hmm. to be able to grow up with Jesus as a child. Now, if you didn't get it, it's okay. It can still just be as awesome and wonderful at 20, or I've seen people at 90, I, you know, I just gave my life to Jesus. You know, I just trusted in Jesus, but the greatest gift, number one, we give our kids is giving them the ability, the opportunity to grow up with Jesus as their best friend. Mm -hmm. And, and this is really vital for parents. Uh, my mom, because she, I think probably because she was a new Christian, you know, I'm two years old. She couldn't wait to go to church every Sunday. Church was the greatest place in the world. It wasn't like, okay, kids, Sunday, we got to get up and go to church and we got to do this and we got to blow. It was like, it's Sunday morning, you know, it's the greatest day of the week. And my kids are the same way. So and my kids are, are, are pastor's kids, but they, they're, they, you ask my kids, what's your favorite day of the week? They're like Sunday. Oh. They can't wait to go. And they can't, we, we've got friends and they are, they are, uh, so it's this big family and there is, there are seven children, 18 grandkids and 36 great grandkids wow. all of them are in ministry all of them wow. so when sophie our, our, our 21 year old just turned 21 sunday when when she was little i asked him what what did you do what was your key how did how did you possibly right because pastor's kids right were they, they, they have camps, the right? help pastor's kids right yeah so so uh you know, it's like, don't let your, don't let your son, you know, uh, don't let your daughter date a pastor's son, you know, they're, we're, they're trouble, you know? So, um, anyway, so, uh, uh, I asked, what's the key? And they said, well, oh, as old as, as soon as they were old enough, we said to them, oh, what's your ministry at church? Where's your ministry? What are you going to do? What are you wow. doing Sunday? And oh my goodness, you know, Sophie leads worship for us. My son, Saint does the tech ministry at least. Our seven-year-old is our, she's the hostess of all the kids. She greets all the kids. And so they can't wait to get up on Sunday and go do that. That's, that's to give people an opportunity to serve God, which is what we're creating. It's already in us, right? Mm -hmm. So you're not forcing your kids to do something that's not already in them. They have a spirit in them saying, please, mom, dad, give me an opportunity to serve God. Yeah. Provide me that their spirit is in there. Just it's willing, right? It's waiting for it. And so, so, so number one, give your kids an opportunity uh, to serve God. Number two, make going to church the greatest thing in the world. Don't be like, oh, kids, oh, well, you don't have to go if you don't want to. You don't have, well, no, God says train them up in the way they should go, not the way they would go, because we know the way they would go is right. <laughs> your flesh. All of our flesh doesn't want to go to church, is looking for a reason to not go to church, even yeah. mine, yeah. even my flesh doesn't. And then, uh, and then the third thing I want to say to you, and this is really, it's really hard and really, really important. If you really want your kids to embrace Jesus and live for Jesus all their life, is that you have to be the same person at home that you are at church. Mm -hmm. You can't be two different people. And, and uh, we run into that with, with a lot of pastors, kids, families. Well, my mom and dad were for pastors at home and at, or at, at church and at home. Our life was a mess and they were human. Well, you can be human at home, but be human at church too. You know, don't, don't separate it. Be, be the, be the sold out man or woman of God that you are at church, but also be that at home. Are you going to mess up? Are you going to slip up? Are you going to be imperfect? Yes, but 
come on, let's push into this Jesus followership and really be the people of God. Like, like you said, come up, right? Let's come right. up, come up. And, uh, and, and uh, is, yeah, it's hard. It's hard, Rowdy. It's difficult. I'm worn out. Yeah, we all are. We all mm -hmm. are. Don't let the devil build that excuse into your life that you're just too worn out to be the Christ follower you wish you could be. Yeah. God says that he will strengthen you. He will absolutely give you what you need to be everything, all of the Jesus follower that, you, that you're supposed to be. He'll give you all of it. I love that. Like, look at you two. I don't know how you two do everything that you do. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Sometimes we don't either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, sometimes we're like, we need a break. Like, let's. <laughs> yes. And breaks are okay. Too. Breaks are okay. Taking a breather is okay. You just don't, you, you don't want to get stuck there. Exactly. You know, take a and uh, you get back on and go, oh, I messed up today. Okay. Well, God's mercies are new every morning. That's so right. Right? That's yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I was going to just. I loved that point you brought out about that family that had all their whole three generations in ministry and, and just seeing children and their giftings and their instincts. You know, we had instincts as little, little kids, little, you know, there's a, there's a video of me. My mom was singing and I was at the piano. I was about two years old and I'm lifting my little pudgy hands and, you know, praising the Lord at two years old. And, um, I think sometimes people discredit children mm -hmm. and say, oh, well, that's cute. They're just mimicking someone oh, else or they're this and that, but it's like, God has instilled these giftings in kids. And if, if there's a father figure, if there's a mother figure, whether it's in the house or in the church, um, that can say, I see value in that. And I mm -hmm. want to make room for your gifting as well and help cultivate that in a safe space. If you mm -hmm. want to be a worship leader, I'll let you sing a solo. And, you know, if you want to speak, I'll give you five minutes to speak or whatever it is. If you want to greet, join them and greet. And I love what you said about that because um, I, sometimes we just say, put the kids in children's church mm -hmm. and, um, sure. you know, let them color and, you know, not, not that important things don't happen in children's church. Cause like you said, you learn yeah. a lot on the felt board and yeah. you learn those, those foundational songs and stories of the Bible. But I think there is something about balancing that with, this is what it means to serve. This is what it means to use those God given giftings <laughs> and help yeah. other people. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I love it. As you were talking, I think of something that a friend of our, our a spiritual dad of ours, pastor Andrew says, because he's he came from a pastor, you know, he's a pastor's kid as well. And he was like, yep, I'm a pastor's kid. And I came out loving Jesus anyways. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I can relate. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, what? one thing, one question I've had, as you've been talking and stuff, you said that your dad was like one of eight kids or. No. So I, my, my, uh, my dad had, uh, three brothers. My mom had five. Oh, okay. So there were nine men throughout the generation before us. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So all these men that like had struggled with alcoholism, including your dad. Yeah. But then I look now at you and your life and just the complete trend, like the, the difference between the, the family that you were raised in versus like the family you have now in your reality. And you just, yeah. I, like, it's just, you know, the generational curses, like that's what came to my mind of just the things that each family has of whatever it is that they struggle with, but there, there can be a generation that says that's going to stop here. And yes. just from your testimony, like that's what I see in you as you were that generation that said, I'm not going to continue that. I'm not going to carry that on. And so no. what did that, 
and this may be like a really heavy question, but like, what sure. did that look like for you to be able to, to be the one that says, this is where that's going to end. And my family's going to look different. <laughs> so I, 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 uh, uh, like you, like you've heard that old saying, you know, it runs in your family. Well, no, I'm not, it run, here's where it runs out, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so interesting thing about me, my uncles tried to get me to drink when I was little, my, my one uncle, uh, we were at Christmas, I can still remember it, and he was drinking a can of uh, 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 Coors, everybody, they were, everybody drank the Coors, Coors Light, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, what are you drinking? I still remember, five years old, standing right in front of my grandma's basement organ everybody in wisconsin has a basement organ yeah. <laughs> and uh fruit seller in a basement organ you know so in a bar so yeah. <laughs> uh and my grandpa owned a giant liquor store liquor warehouse you know so my i, I said what are you drinking he said beer he said you want to try it and i said sure and i took one sip and i spit it literally everywhere all over the organ all over him it was the worst thing i ever tasted in my whole life and really that imprinted on me to the point that I, so I can't, I, I hate the smell of alcohol. I hate it, which is the greatest gift God could have possibly given to someone who that, that alcohol gene, you know, mm -hmm. runs their family. And so uh, growing up, uh, I had every opportunity. I, gosh, I was a bus boy. I was a waiter. I cooked in kitchens, you know, when I was young. And uh, so I smelled al alcohol constantly, but God gave me a I call it a really great gift, not a gift of judgmentalism, but a, uh, a gift of awareness that I was very aware of what alcohol did to all of my family. Uh, both my sisters were alcoholics. My one sister was a crack addict. My other sister uh, couldn't break it. She just a few years ago took her life. And it was all, all because of uh, uh, alcoholism that really impacted her, her mental health. So I saw I saw all of this and it was a, a profound, uh, I, I felt for much of my life, like I was, uh, I was watching my family from the, from the outside and they, they love deeply passionately, but I, I really saw that is what I am absolutely not supposed to do in life. So God gave me a really huge vision of, uh, of, uh, black and white. So do I live my life perfectly? No. Have I messed up a million times? Yes. Do I, do I still have sins and all those things that God says we're forgiven? So do I, Paul says you, you can't sin. You know, that's a, that's a tricky scripture. What he means is in front of God. But so do I still mess up? Yes. And yet God's given me this very uh, deep awareness. And so I have carried that through to my kids. So kids, what's, what's the only way you can never be an alcoholic? Never try it. Mm the only way it's the only way my kids will never be alcoholics is to never try it never take the first sip so god gave me the grace of hating my first sip but it doesn't always happen that way for everybody and a lot and, and thank god i didn't swallow it because maybe it would have latched in my brain at five years old and and uh and i would have craved that the rest of my life so i want to encourage parents out there sometimes we feel like well you know alcohol doesn't do a lot of harm well yeah it it, it does do a lot of harm and maybe, maybe not in obvious ways, maybe in, maybe in very uh, ways you don't know. Maybe, you're, maybe it's something that's going to happen in your kids uh, that you don't even know. It's going to break out in their life. And is it, well, you know, I have, I have a good time with alcohol. Well, guess what? I have a better time with alcohol. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. my name's Rowdy after all. <laughs> you know, I could be the wildest, craziest, drinkingest, you know, guy, and I'm not. But, but parents <laughs> out there, I, I want to encourage you, don't steer, don't steer your children toward 
you know, drink responsibly. How about steering them towards, you don't need alcohol to, to, to have a great life and to have a great time. And I'm not, again, I'm not judging anybody. And it's not even a fear I have. It's like somebody said, oh, are you scared? Your kids are going to are, are going to become alcoholics. No, I'm not scared of it at all. I'm, I have wisdom about it. I know that that runs in our family. Right. And so we need to break that chain because that, the devil's used that as a stronghold as he does in a lot of people's lives. And, and uh, uh, you know, we as Christians, we need to quit using Jesus drank wine as, a, as an excuse for our alcoholism and really, really recognize that maybe that's, maybe that's a place that you need to Maybe if you broke through that, maybe that didn't happen. Again, I'm not judging anybody. I, I don't tell anybody in church, you have to quit your drinking and throw out your cigarettes and throw out all your, your Def Leppard and throw, you know, and uh, I don't do that at all. But maybe there's maybe sometimes we don't think about at all what we're doing. Have you taken all those things to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, is, is there an area here that is a stronghold for me? Is there an area here where I need to come up higher? Is there something that I need to lay on the altar? I need to sacrifice. Is there something that's holding me back? Because if it's holding you back, even 5%, isn't that too much for for, for all God's purposes in your life? 5% is -hmm. is a lot, you know, like they say, how much, how much, how much poison would you allow somebody to put into your body? You know, a a bottle of poison, would you allow them to put 1% in, you know? So, so really take always, I'm always taking everything to Jesus and going, Hey, is there any, any area in my life? Is this, is this a struggle? Is this a problem? Is this a stronghold? Is this an area that if I, if I put that aside, if I laid that down before you, I surrendered that to you, could you do some, could you do more things with my life or in my life or through my life? Could you bless my family more? Could you do something greater through me? And uh, every time I do that, God, God usually shows me yes. And and sometimes we don't take the things to him because we don't want to hear him say that. We don't want to lay it down. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and even with my health, you, you know, like your brother's health journey, I lost 40 pounds and I had to lay a lot down uh, to get there. But it's blessed, blessed my whole life to, uh, immensely to do that. So don't be afraid to take things to God. God says that, that when you come to him, he will not shame you. When you come to God with, with, with any sins, mistakes, mess ups, he won't shame you. He says that he, he'll receive you lovingly, joyfully, a loving father who, who's there to say, hey, hey, come on, I, I'm, I'm not going to shame you or guilt you or condemn you. I'm going to cheer you. I'm going to yeah. coach you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, lead the way. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to give you the courage necessary to overcome it. And that overcoming, you know, I, I, really leads to you coming up, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Amen. Yes. And I, I love that. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance and especially for people that have grown up in religion or, you know, maybe in different religious kind of environments in the church where it was like, God's going to smite you. And he's just waiting for you to mess up and get ready for the lightning. If you walk through the church doors, if you went out on a Friday night before or whatever, and sometimes that can create a culture of shame and wanting and wanting to remain hidden in those things and not bring those things to the Lord. But when you understand in his loving kindness, how the Lord operates as Abba father, 
then you realize that it's just like those, those things that, that bound you, he unties them gently and works through them with you is what we've kind of discovered. It's just like, it's like, wow, I didn't know it could be this way. Yeah. You may still struggle and, and things like that. But when that weight of condemnation isn't bearing down on you in the process. It's just, it's amazing. The the things that you can learn and heal from with yes. Jesus and his presence and the places you get to go and the things you get to do and see and be a part of because you don't have that 5% or because you don't have this thing or, or, or whatever it may be. And so I think that's so good. And, um, I just have loved this conversation so much. And I love your, your father's heart, um, not just for your own kids, but just for those around you. And just even speaking to other parents on this podcast, or even speaking to kids who were pastor's kids or grew up in a divorced home or whatever it is that, that you can, you can come up higher. You can live a better life in Christ when you, when you put him first. And so, um, as we finish up here, I want to just touch on, um, one church Scottsdale, because you're the father of that house. You and Ashley do such a great job there. Mm -hmm. And, um, just tell us the, the passion behind why you started one church and, and what you, where you want to take the body there, what you see happening. Oh gosh, so how long do we have? Part two. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, oh my goodness. So, my pastor that I grew up under when I was little, Julius Stagner, I told you about, he came from Texas to Madison, Wisconsin. And Madison, Wisconsin, the church was heavily segregated in the 70s. All churches were, and still many, many still are. And I understand the many reasons behind that, you know, culturally or musically or the way that we worship. Sometimes we like to be around people who worship the, in the same way that we worship. So I feel tremendously, deeply fulfilled when I worship God in African-American churches. Mm-hmm. And I feel a completely different uh, depth of it. And maybe because they have a different uh, understanding or a depth of understanding of freedom. So I'm going to, again, I'm a preacher. I told you I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in a hundred different directions. So, so Julia Stagner came to Madison, Wisconsin, to a completely white church, and he said, um, and I didn't even know this, but he's, I found this out years later, you know, as an adult, and that God had formed this in me, and he said, I, we're, what's the first thing the church is going to do? He said, we're going to buy buses. What are you going to do with the buses? Well, let's get the buses and start busing people in. So the church said, oh, white church, we bought buses. And he said, great. Now I need bus drivers. Oh, we're going to drive the bus. Now I need volunteers. You're going to get on the buses and go out. You know, I remember three years old getting on the bus with my mom. And they said, great, where are we going? He said, oh, I made a map. And he took us all the way to the other side of town and to all African-American community. And we picked up that entire community, brought them to our church. So I grew up in a totally... I grew up with, a, with a, a pastor who his entire ministry was Jesus and joy, mm-hmm. Jesus and joy and, and, and the love of God. That, that was it. And he brought, brought all the men. I, my, my church mom, her, she was six feet tall. She wore beautiful pink elaborate outfits, African-American lady named Pinky. Everybody called her oh, Pinky. I love that. And that's the only name I ever, I ever knew her by. And, and uh, I would go to church and my mom would put my hand in Pinky's hand. So I grew up in a fully integrated church and I grew up thinking all churches were that way. So I grew up believing that, that church was absolutely for everybody. No matter who you were, where you were from, what color you were, what background you were. And my pastor really, he built that into me 
unbeknownst to me, again, God designed my whole life for ministry, what my ministry was going to be. So Ashley and I traveled for 11 years. We spoke and we sang. And then uh, my pastor, our pastor here in town, Tommy Barnett, uh, told me it was time for me to start pastoring a church. And I told him no for two years. Absolutely not. I'm not going to pastor. And uh, so finally, he really confronted me. Am I the man of God in your life? Yes. Well, I'm telling you what God told me. So I prayed for another year. So three years in, I heard God himself, and we opened up, uh, opened up the church. And uh, we opened up at that time was called the Freedom Center. And I will tell you that for 10 years, uh, if any, anybody in ministry listening, if you've ever failed in ministry, you have not failed as badly as we failed. Okay. Every week, 52 Sundays a year for 10 years. We had 10 years of absolute, undeniable, absolute zero. If you're in accounting and you ever see a zero and there's a dash on this side and a dash on the other, that means absolute zero. It means no lesser value of zero, no more value of zero, total zero. So I had, I had uh, 520 Sundays of, of failure from the church perspective, uh, but it was the crushing that I needed. So Ashley and I had had great success for 11 years. And so we just thought everything was just going to magically happen. And God finally said, said to me after 10 years in prayer and crushing, he said, uh, I said, God, why isn't this working and this program working? And why did outreach and the phone trees and the door mailers and the bike giveaways? And why is it all, why is it all failed? And God said, you know, those are great programs, but do you want your programs to build the church or do you want me to build the church? Wow. What do you want to get the glory? When the church grows, do you want it to be the bike giveaway or that I touched your church, you know? Wow. So I got to the point, everybody for, for, you know, for the first five years of that failure, everybody we ran into, how's the church doing? How many people are you running? How's it going? What? And I would be very honest. Well, it's really hard. It's tough. It's, you know, and I, well, it got to the point where nobody asked anymore how the church is going. Nobody asked how many you're, you're running. And I realized at that moment I had reached absolute failure that nobody believed that anything could ever happen. And so um, this is a big point for everybody listening. My wife and I, we in ministry, we were always talked to as the most likely to succeed. Oh, you're going to succeed. Everything's going to go great. You're going to be famous. You're going to be blah, blah, blah. And I walked away from secular fame for ministry, you know, years ago, years ago. That's a whole nother story. But so it got to the point where I found in the word of God that if you are the most likely to succeed, uh, you're not going to succeed. God, you're the least likely person God's going to use. Hmm. And so God uses the least likely to succeed. You go through the Bible, it's always the least likely. It's true. And so God had to make me. If you're the most likely to succeed and you want God to use you, often God has to make you the least likely to succeed, wow. to use you. And so now I glory in my weaknesses, right? As yeah. Paul said. So now I tell people about, about the failure and the trials because we shut the church down. Uh, we, we, we reopened, you know, as a brand new church, one church, Scottsdale. And uh, five years ago, we reopened brand new. And we said, this is God's church. God's going to grow this church. He's going to do it. We're going to let him do it. We're going to let him lead. It's not going to, we're not going to be our programs. And there's great value in programs, but it's going to be God. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. It's going to be Jesus led. That's going to make this happen. And so, so the crushing 
is was necessary. It pleased him to crush me, right? Yeah. It, it may not have pleased me. Now it does. Mm-hmm. But but uh, it pleased him to crush me because it brought me to a place where I'm totally reliant upon God for everything. I cannot take any credit for anything that has happened at our church. I can't take credit for the building where we are. Somebody called us. I can't take credit for the people coming. We've got uh, three three families of pastors that are, are joining us. Uh, two, two right now this month, another uh, family in June. And they all connected to us they all reached out to us Mm. and and uh we didn't do anything we didn't seek out we didn't reach out we didn't and god we have just totally surrendered to god now that doesn't mean we sit on the couch waiting for god to move right yeah we show up and we do what god's called us to do and uh and and then he's carried it from there so one church is a place of love a place of joy a place of jesus and and that's it where everybody is welcome, everybody is encouraged, everybody is loved, and uh, you're going to get the truth. Absolutely, it'll be the truth. It'll be the truth in love. But I, I'm, I'm always God is always going to tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. So you're going to come and hear what your spirit needs to hear, not what your flesh wants to hear, but what your spirit needs to hear. And if you'll allow God that opening and that opportunity to, to just say, God, I might not like it. But say whatever you want to mm-hmm. want to say to me. Say it. Yeah. You know, I I I I will receive it, and uh, I don't even know yet what I'll do with it. But I give you that open avenue to say whatever you want to say, and that's what you'll find at one church. And we're we're uh, uh, gosh, we, we we used to be called the church for people who don't like church, but now everybody comes and they like it. So now we don't <laughs> I can't say that. We have no more motto. We have no motto. So yeah. <laughs> so you you find. You'll find worship, you'll find joy, and uh, really, I, I believe God's bringing back the age of, of joyful worship and joyful worship leading and joyful, and uh, you're, you guys, your worship is is joyful and deep and loving, and and it's not the it's not the stoic stare at the back wall worship leader, you know. Oh, God is so great, you know, and it is it is the embracing the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so I think God is returning that time to us and the messages are uplifting and real and and the people are just as as real and, and, and as imperfect as you get. No perfect people allowed. I yeah, want you. Yeah. So. And we can second that. Having been there, we we definitely see that. And you can just sense the the unity there and the vision. And we know that comes from um you know, it comes from something that when you let the Lord build the house, the laborers yeah. don't, <laughs> unless the Lord builds yeah. the house, the laborers build in vain. Amen. And, Amen. and I think, uh, you know, there's, I, there's, va- there's such value when, when you can look back and say, look what God has done. Like, yeah. I know my shortcomings. I know I tried in my own strength and failed and this, that, and the other, but look what God has built. And I, I think that's so amazing that that's the origin story of of one church and so we we've just really enjoyed this conversation today i feel i feel uplifted i hope our listeners do too (laughs) thanks for letting me talk everybody's ears off Uh, it's great so tell tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you or one church if they want to listen to the sermons online i know you guys post those as well so how how can we do that so real easy facebook sunday mornings 10 15 uh facebook is one church Scottsdale. You have to add the Scottsdale in because there are, are lots of independent one churches. So one church Scottsdale, but there's sermons on all the time. So you can go on anytime, click on videos and you can uh, watch any of the, any of the past sermons. And Ashley, my wife, 
uh, spoke spoke Sunday ago about getting on the right track. Really profound message about mm-hmm. about really giving everything in your life over to God and uh, getting on the right track. God had given her just incredible vision. So, on Sunday mornings, we're at uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona, One Church Scottsdale, seven nine zero one. East Sweetwater Avenue, 7901 East Sweetwater Avenue. And uh, but if you're ever in town, come and join us. Come and be a part of, of uh, what God is doing. And thank you, Alicia and Whitney. I'm so honored and so blessed. And can't wait till you're out here again. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Like, if you're on vacation in the Scottsdale area, go there. Yes. <laughs> it'll be worth Amen. your time. <laughs> but Amen. as we close today, um, would you mind just praying for people who are listening, who maybe feel like they're that least likely to, to ever succeed or, you know, do what God's called them to do. And and even those who have those generational things going on, or, you know, don't come from the best background. It's like, how could God, you know, use me and work in my life? Can you just pray whatever God puts on your heart over those people that may be listening today? Okay. Father God, the first thing I want to say is thank you that, that all of our lives, each of us, you have been there and you have been in control. You've been watching over us. You've been stirring in us, working in us, whether we recognize it or not, you've been protecting us. You've been there for us. Thank you for your constant care and help and your guidance and your protection. And God, we know the devil has conspired against us. And yet we know that if we reach out to you at any time, we go all in at any time, that nothing the devil has done, nothing any enemy has done, nothing that's happened to us in life, nothing can stop us from from fulfilling all of our Jesus destiny. You can transform things. You can turn things around. You can speed things up in a moment's notice. So thank you, God. I pray for any person watching that they would just reach out to you right now and, and, and surrender their life to you and see that you have always been there, that you're there for them, and that you have so much more for them and that they would just release all their life to you god and i I pray for chain breakers out there i pray for people that want to that that stuff is running their family that today they say god today it runs out in jesus name it runs out and so father strengthen me encourage me give me what i need because i can't do it on my own i haven't been able to do it on my own Give me everything I need to be able to break these chains, to make a difference, to to be the man or woman of God you created me. I want to be that. And so I want to embrace your joy. I want to embrace your love and and forgive me, God, that I've been away. But today I'm I'm fully back and I'm fully in and I'm fully engaged. And I want I don't want just life. I want life abundantly. So thank you for that. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 I don't even know if I touched on all of it, but hopefully that was great. That was perfect. That was great. (laughs) Well, listeners, I hope that today encouraged you this conversation to continue to grow with God through the good and the bad, through the ups and the downs that God has purpose for you amidst it all when you surrender your life to him. So thanks for tuning in to another episode of Coming Up Higher. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Coming Up Higher. If you enjoyed today's conversation, let us know by leaving a positive rating and subscribing to this show wherever you listen. And don't forget to connect with us on social media at Alicia and Whitney.